This podcast is brought to you by Church Society, a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. You'll find more information about Church Society and all the things that we do on our website, churchsociety.org. You'll also find there the full archive of the podcast. Well, welcome everyone to another Church Society podcast. I'm uh, Chris Moore, one of the regional directors looking after very much the West and Southwest of things. And I'm uh, today with Lee Gatis, who is the uh, overall director. He's the one before whom all regional directors bow. And we come here not not to talk about uh, church society or anything particularly to do with that, but something which is rather more fundamental to the whole business of being a Christian, fundamental to our understanding of the faith. And it's simply this. How actually do you go about reading the Bible? Not setting targets, not saying what we should be doing, but actually saying, the, the meat and drink of this, how do we actually read the Bibles and how do we go about reading what is, of course, not only a thick book, but a book which dates back rather a long way. So it seems to me, Lee, as we're talking here, the most fundamental question is a great range of translations out there, everything from the Passion to the good old King James Version. So which translation, Lee, do you use and, and why do you use it? Well, obviously, uh, Chris, I love reading from the original Greek and Hebrew, uh, which I, I learned at college. Uh, but not everyone can do that. And I don't do that all the time with all my Bible reading. It's good for, for some close study to get your Greek out and see what the original said. Um, but most of the time I'm using one of two translations, either the New International Version, the NIV, or the ESV, the extremely sound version no the uh what's it called the english standard version uh the niv sometimes called the nearly infallible version um and they're, they're slightly different in their approach so the niv is more a sort of dynamic equivalence translation that's not to say it's not close to the original it's just it will translate things in a dynamically equivalent way in an english way of saying something rather than sticking necessarily to the greek or hebrew word order um and exact things like that the esv is slightly more literal than the niv and i like both of them i've used both of them in in uh, churches that I've been in, in preaching. One of the first questions I ask when I'm going somewhere to, to preach is, what Bible version do you use? And it's usually one of those two. So I use both of those um, in different, uh, at different times and in different uh, places uh, for my reading. What about you? What 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 do you use most of? Well, I'm, I'm pretty wedded to uh, the English Standard Version personally. Um, I mean, I, I first came across it when I was training at college way back in the end of the last millennium. And that was the time when it came out. I think it came out in about 2000. And at that time, uh, one of my lecturers, the Old Testament lecturer who, who taught Hebrew as well, he was part of the committee that drew up the translation of the book of Daniel. His uh, doctorate was in Daniel. He was one of the few people that could speak Akkadian, although none of us, of course, could disagree and sort of challenge him on that. But he was, you know, he was uh, a good man, still is a good man. And because of that, we were all given a copy, as I seem to remember, of the English Standard Version. And I have to say that prior to that, I've been very much an NIV user. And when I opened the English Standard Version, I couldn't really 
get to grips with it. I couldn't make it work for me. And I struggled with it because I think, as you were saying, the NIV is much more kind of a thought for thought. It's easier in the English to follow. And the ESV is a little bit more, um, not wooden, but but closer to the original. I then the, the left, Bible of Yoda, it is. I think the somewhere. Bible of Yoda, it is. The Bible indeed. of Yoda, it is. It's like sometimes the word order or, or vocabulary or the way it puts things is is slightly odd for an English speaker, um, but yes. that's usually because it's trying to stick closely to the to the original. Um, yeah, in some ways. So that that can be very helpful if you're studying. I mean, because I've got Greek and Hebrew, um, when I'm reading the NIV. I sometimes read something and think, I wonder what that actually says. Um, occasionally, I think that hmm. because it sounds you know, it's too fluent, it's too easy in English to read. And I think, I wonder what that actually says. And usually it's pretty accurate and close. But uh, just occasionally you find the ESV or the NIV will disagree with each other about a translation. Hmm. And usually there's something Greek or Hebrew behind that. Uh, I mean, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because something which I've often suggested to people, if they don't, have um you know the ability or not the ability have the time to learn how to, to to translate the greek and the hebrew and the rest of it is that you can set out a number of different translations of a passage so if you want to really get your head around romans 8 you know do you can take the niv you can take the good news you can take the king james you can take the english standard version and they're all freely available on the internet and you can look at them and you can see where they differ and that often helps you get your head around what the kinds of issues are going on in the translation yeah, that's a really good point. I think it's BibleGateway.com. BibleGateway.com yeah. is really good for that. If you want to put lots of translations up at the same time of a particular verse or, or two or three verses, and you can compare and contrast. And that often alerts you to the fact that there might be an issue somewhere. And I think there's enough study aids out there for us like that to help us dig into that, even if people haven't got Greek and Hebrew or no time or energy or skill mm. in doing that kind of thing. The English translations we've got, I mean, the ESV, the, the NIV, or the Christian Standard Bible, which I use quite mm. a lot um, from a couple of years ago, they're really very, very good translations. I mean, they're, yeah. not, they're not going to lead you um, astray. Um, it just as if you're going to zone in on one verse or one word and you want a little bit of uh, extra help, comparing and contrasting different translations is often very useful, isn't it? And I think that's an important point you make there, Lee, that it's not as if we are badly served with translations. We needn't be concerned that what we're reading in our text in English is, isn't is reflecting closely what's behind it. Um, yeah. It is good. Um, so going through um, all of that, so if, you, if you've got your, your trusty NIV or ESV out, um, it's one thing obviously to own a Bible. I, I, I have a bad bad habit of, of collecting different editions of bibles but it's one thing to own a bible but it's, it's obviously clear another thing to actually crack it open and, and read it and as somebody who struggles to try and build habits um i i've often found it difficult to get up a good routine you know that kind of evangelical guilt that says i haven't had my quiet time and read my selwyn hughes this morning but do you have any kind of pattern that you use to to read or or listen or something else engaging with it that's a really good question isn't it i think that is often one of the things that people um are most concerned about is how do i start and how do i keep this up as a mm. thing i've used different ways of doing this different patterns over the course of my christian life so there have been sometimes say um a couple of years ago i read through the bible four times in a year 
by by listening to audio bibles um, mm. in in lots of uh, you know dead moments in the day uh, and at specific times when I set aside to do it. So I, I love I read through the whole of the NIV, all the ESV, and a couple of other versions as well by using audio versions, either the app that was um, available for the uh, the translation. I think the ESV has an excellent app um, mm-hmm. with an audio version you can download on the app as well. And the NIV is very well served by a reading um, done by David Suchet, the actor, yes. um, which, which I also bought. I think I had to buy that. That was a little bit more money. Um, but th- those are very good readings. And so actually being able to set aside time to, to listen, I, I mean, I would, you know have a bath, listen to the Bible. Uh, in a car journey, listen to the Bible. It's very easy just to, to click a button on your phone while you're um, setting yourself up to drive, and then it, it reads it to you on your journey. And I've done that on a number of occasions. Um, and it is a, an obvious and easy way of just getting some Bible into my day. And do you do it when you're doing that? I mean, were you starting at Genesis and just running through in order or were you sort of saying you know i'm lying in the bath so i'm going to listen to the flood or or something i mean were you trying to sort of pick particular books or you know was it because i think often we've we've got a a lady in one of my churches who's came to faith a few years back and and wonderful wonderful christian woman and she she just reads from genesis onwards but and and gets through the lot and starts again other people um have have got to genesis and particularly when you start getting into sort of leviticus and deuteronomy have kind of dried up and then feel that they've let god down because they're finding it difficult um i mean do you just literally start or are there kind of plans that you might use to read different bits alongside each other or something i love the idea of trying to find an appropriate thing to read for the activity you're um listening yeah doing while you're listening like Jehu driving like a maniac you could read to that listen to that bit where you're driving well, I'm driving around picking up my daughters from something or, or taking them somewhere perhaps we should read the uh, the wilderness wanderings in, well, uh, in numbers I think I think there's often a problem isn't there when people start reading or listening to the bible they get to Genesis and there's some great stories you get the first part of Exodus again some brilliant stories and then you hit a wall uh, halfway through mm. Exodus there's all these laws and then lots and lots of descriptions of the tabernacle. And if you manage to get through that, there's then Leviticus and descriptions of sacrifices. I actually find all that fascinating. I think it's really interesting. Um, it's God's word and it's telling us something about who God is and how he wants to relate to us. And of course, we have to understand it in a bigger picture. But um, I think if people struggle with that, just skip it this time. Go go to something else. Um, after you've done Genesis and the first half of Exodus, why not move on to uh, Joshua and Judges, which have some great stories again, if you like that. Another way of doing it, which I tried a few years ago and have done many times now, is the um, the Robert Murray McShane reading plan, uh, which was, was set up by a, a chap called Robert Murray McShane, who wanted to read uh, different parts of scripture every day. So you read that plan, it will take you through the whole Old Testament in a year, and I think the New Testament twice, isn't it? Um, mm. And what he does is he set aside an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading and different parts of the Old Testament each day. I think usually it's four readings a mm. day, a chapter uh, or part of a chapter from different parts of the Old Testament and something from the New Testament. That's a great way of mixing it up. So if you don't quite get on with the reading from Leviticus 7, 
um, you know that the next reading in your plan is going to be something from Mark um, or, or Matthew's Gospel, something like that. So that's a good way of mixing it up. Um, another thing and I've then, done recently is I, I got another app called Dwell, the Dwell app, mm. which has a number of different translations, but also a number of different readers. And so normally okay. I've looked at David Suchet or somebody on the ESV app. I don't know who it is, but an English speaking sort of voice. Um, but on the Dwell app, you can choose a number of different male, female and global international voices. So um, at the moment, I'm listening through uh, one particular book, which I want to just keep reading and rereading. That's Ephesians. I'm just reading it a lot this year. Um, but I'm listening to different voices and listening to the East African reader on the Dwell app, reading through Ephesians. It just makes you stop and listen to it again in a different way. And you, he, he emphasises things differently and uh, says things slightly differently to how I'm used to. And it makes me listen more carefully. And I think that's a really good way of doing it. Mix it up, have a different audio version uh, or even a different translation can often make you read more carefully um, things that you may have read many, many times before, as I'm sure both of us have done, having read the Bible that way many times. The other thing you can do, of course, is follow the Anglican lectionary. So there's a, there's a, there are apps and there's also Church of England website will tell you what today's readings from the Anglican lectionary are and a number of people. Many thousands of people around the world will be following that same Bible reading plan. Um, and so you, you can do that. You can have it um, there on the app as soon as you wake up in the morning. Have that app somewhere obvious on your phone or your iPad, whatever it is, so that that is the first thing you click in the morning um, every day. And there was a thing a few years ago. I don't know if Crossway still do it, but Crossway, the publisher in the States, um, can email you the Bible text of the ESV according to different plans. So they have mm. a lectionary plan where they would email you all the texts or they would email you the Robert Murray McShane texts for that day. So you don't need to think about it. Every day you turn on your computer and there the first email you get is, is from them with the Bible text that you're to read that day. And it's like the first thing on your to-do list. You read through those texts. Um and don't forget to pray. I suppose that's an easy thing. Do you do you always forget to pray or do you just read the Bible? You feel you've done your bit and you can close the book and carry on with your day? Or do, do you try and incorporate prayer? Well, I, think the prob- I think there's a real problem that you, um, I mean, I, I listen on audio as well. And I my particular pattern is, is I use, a, a, a at the moment I'm using the English Standard Version Study Bible reading plan, which is four readings, as you said, from different bits. Uh, I, I use Bible software called Logos. I can access it on that as an audio thing. And I listen to it as I unstack the dishwasher in the morning. That's my kind of normal pattern. And there is a problem, I think, with with that, if I'm not careful, which is that something can strike you as you're hearing it read but then as you're thinking about it, it's carrying on. So you don't have time to stop and dwell and think, actually, this is where I'll sit with it and, and use that as a prompt to prayer. Because now I think it is, we can look at it mechanistically. And I've, you know, I have to set up a, try and set up a routine to make sure that I do pray afterwards. But it's important, I suppose, as well to pray out from what you've already heard. So I've got my list of people that I pray for, you know, it's this week and it's this day. So I'm praying for these people uh, and and that's good, but also saying, but I should be expecting what I've just listened to or read to speak to me as well. 
So I need to dwell and pray on that. And that's that's quite yes, that, that's a good habit to have. Another good habit to have, of course, Lee, is to uh, drop in adverts into the podcast. So we shall listen now to our next advert. And when we get back, we shall perhaps talk about some uh, devotionals or other things or tools that we might use to help us actually understand uh, the, the Bible itself and to set it in its bigger context. looking forward to Lent this year at Church Society. As ever, we'll have a new resource coming for you. This year, it will be a weekly video looking at challenges facing the global Anglican communion today, with contributors from all around the world reflecting on a range of issues. This will be uh, collected together into one video published each week during Lent. Of course, we still have many of our resources from previous years available. You may wish to look through blog post series on the parish ministry of George Herbert, the uh, Apostles' Creed, the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer on the 39 Articles and the Blessed Life, looking at the uh, seven deadly sins, the Beatitudes, the fruit of the Spirit and Jesus' final words on the cross. Many of these have also been collected into books, which you might find a more convenient way of working through those different devotional readings. You'll find those in the shop on our website. The first book of homilies, The Blessed Life, Walk This Way and Foundations of Faith are all set up in this daily format with readings, reflections, questions to think over and prayers. These are available in digital and paper formats to suit your preference and your budget. Well, welcome back. Uh, we're talking about the, the business, the doing of reading the Bible, not hopefully trying to pile guilt upon you, but to just discuss various ways in which we can read the Bible and engage with the Bible. And in doing so, um, we've talked about translations and we've talked about Bible reading patterns. Another great thing, of course, which has been a real hallmark of the past um, 20, 30 years is an absolute explosion in Christian publishing of various study Bibles. I mean, there's a study Bible for, for anything. I'm sure if I looked hard enough somewhere out there, I'd find the bald 50 year old Essex man's study Bible. They're all there for the taking. Um, and there's Bible atlases, softwares. Um, you can get sermons online, all sorts of various things which are there. And, and yeah, I'm just wondering, are there any particular tools that you would turn to or maybe even recommend other people turn to when you sort of come across something and you think, huh, what quite is going on there or quite where is Bethsaida? That kind of question. I think we're very well served by these sorts of study Bible material um, now in, in the 21st century church. In the past, uh, the Puritans would have had the Geneva Bible, uh, which was one of the first sort of study Bibles ever created. And in that there were notes, uh, comments on verses to help people understand things. There were maps, there were tables. So it's a very kind of um, long established tradition mm -hmm. of putting the Bible together with study material. Um, it can be a good thing, provided we don't treat 
the study material as the infallible word of God, because it isn't the, the mm. text itself. That is that is the infallible, inerrant, unerring word of God. Uh, the notes could lead you astray, but there's some really good, reliable ones. The NIV study Bible and the ESV study Bible, just those main study Bible resources are terrific. Um, mm. One of the first Christian resources I bought as a Christian um, when I went to university was an NIV study Bible. And I, I went through those pages a number of times, reading those notes, very helpful. If I got stuck in my reading one morning, I could go to the study Bible and find the some help to understand things, you know, reading Daniel, the second half of Daniel, what is going on there? I remember the NIV study Bible being very helpful. As you say, there are some more um, targeted ones too, the men's study Bible or the women's study Bible or whatever. And those can have their uses. I think the main resources are, are better, though I should just give a shout out to one that I think is coming out later this year, which is the historical study Bible, which has notes and comments on every part of the Bible, but from uh, from the great preachers, theologians mm. and teachers of the past. So it will have notes from Spurgeon and Calvin and Luther and Augustine and Gregory the Great or whatever on every part of Scripture. I mention that because I've I've done the notes for that um, on, on certain books of the Bible in the Old Testament. So I did all the notes on uh, Job. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. So that's going to be a great resource for people who like to to hear mm. the, the vo voices from the church of the past. Um, do you use software for, for Bible study? What software do you have? Well, I use Logos Bible software. I've used, I, I, I'm on a Mac uh, and I've used Accordance in the past. I've still got obviously a fair size Accordance library, um, which is very quick. That's the thing with Accordance. But Logos has got more stuff there i it's an, you've got about ten thousand books or something on <laughs> well i've got one or two but yes we're almost looking for a sponsorship aren't we but um <laughs> you can buy the, whole of the, the uh, churchman archive on uh, logos a very good product i think well indeed and why why would you not now logos is it, it can be touch addictive and uh, i'm afraid i've introduced i've got two of my sons are uh, reading theology at the moment and i've uh, university and i've sort of started them off on the addiction i'm afraid with all of that but logos is is good and i i will read um actually on the ipad is how i i tend to read I'm, I'm not very good at sitting up looking at a computer screen and reading that for a length of time i'd rather sit back down with an ipad and it's all synchronizes it's all good um so i i i use that a bit um but that that would often be more in in sermon preparation um or in or if I'm, I'm writing a sort of other other stuff that's focused sort of Bible studies for devotional reading myself, um, I, I read obviously the scriptures themselves, and I, I quite like reading old sermons. Uh, I, I like reading Spurgeon's sermons. I'm a particular, as many people are, a lover of Spurgeon, but there are many others, obviously as well. I quite like uh, reading what, what what some of the Puritans may have to say on a passage and use that and you know, John Flavel's stuff on Providence or whatever that may be, or Flavel, Flavel, Flavel. I'm reading, kind of I'm reading Calvin's, Calvin's sermons on 1 Timothy uh, as my bedtime reading. So I Indeed. have that in my bed and then that's, you know, I try and read a sermon. Um, Two minutes off, off in and you're asleep. Yes, no, no, I, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it always makes me want to read the next one. So it probably isn't a very good bedtime <laughs> book in that sense. It's a real page turner. Um, I like old sermons like that. That can be very helpful because they often have a good way of applying and of reflecting on a text. 
And he doesn't take too much text. So he doesn't try and reflect on the whole of Romans 8 in one go or something yeah. like that. It's 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 two or three verses because it's one Timothy. That's the way, that's the easiest way to do that. And he will. And I think the older stuff, as you're saying, yeah, the older stuff is, is great in terms of actually getting to the application and a kind of generalised application to human nature, which is still particularly relevant. We still have a human nature. And some, I do have to th- say, that I find some of the more recent things can be quite good at explaining the text, but often can leave you with that question, well, so what? And so I think some of those sermons uh, are particularly good at that. And I think they're not afraid to tackle issues that perhaps in our rather more tender age that we live in, we, we may shy away from, or some books may shy away from. But uh, but Logger's Bible software, I've found, has been a good way of, of reading and engaging. I have to say as well, Bible atlases, I've found, have been brilliant. Uh, there's an NIV one and there's a, an English Standard Version one, which are just a full of pictures, which is great. But uh, to actually know how long it might take you to walk down from Nazareth to Galilee, to uh, Jerusalem does give you a slight different take on things and to realise actually how high up Mount Zion is, twice the height of the Malverns, I'm in Herefordshire, then that, that gives a real different impression of going up to, to Zion. And, and I think some of those things and even YouTube videos of people who are on the grounds looking at these places, they can be a real help in just engaging yeah, it's amazing imagining. what you can find on YouTube now. People looking around the the um, around the Holy Lands uh, at different places mentioned in the Bible, and you actually can feel like you're there and you've seen it. Um, yeah, that's mm. terrifically helpful. And just knowing what the twelve tribes of Israel are and where they're located can be a very yes. helpful thing when you're reading through bits of the Old Testament um, and it mentions a particular tribe or something. And there's usually some some reason it's been mentioned a geographical reason and if you just had it in your mind or could open an atlas and have a look um mm. that's extremely helpful yes now do you i mean i suppose coming looking back to this question of earlier of how we read and how we engage and we talk about audio and all that kind of stuff but is there a danger do you think of if you're on a through the year plan and they are great and that certainly has been my practice for, for years is a through the year plan but is there a danger sometimes where you you read it for the sake of saying that you've read it that day? Because the app said you've got to get through this chunk today, so I'm going to get through this chunk today. I mean, I just wonder sometimes, is it better to take a, a handful of verses and just really try and chew them over and really get to grips with quite what's going on? Is it better to read a lot or chew over a little, I suppose, is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a false either or. I would say it's good to do both. <laughs> Um, yeah. and mix it up mix it up there's no reason you have to stick to exactly the same thing all the time so um uh, in 2020 i read the whole bible in january mm-hmm. <laughs> so i've done that a number of times over the over the course of my life just read the whole bible in a month you can do that if you set aside the time it's about 42 43 chapters a day and that right. that whizzes you through the whole bible in a month and what you get out of that is a, a tremendous sense of the whole counsel of God, of um, the, the majesty and glory of his whole plan from start to finish. Um, and you, you you sometimes see things you haven't seen before because you're, you're reading it all um, mm. like that. And it's good to do that. Or just to read a whole book of the Bible in one go. People don't, mm. don't often do that, I've found. They, they think they, they've got to read a verse 
um, or a verse or two, because that's what they're preaching on on Sunday, perhaps. But why not read the whole of Ephesians um, mm. in, in your quiet time? Why not just in one go? I mean, it only takes probably 20 minutes, half an hour to read the whole of Ephesians. It's only six chapters. Why not do that? That That's a chunk. And then mm. you could spend a bit of time going through it in um, in close detail. I've started using this year, I've started using the um, NIV scripture journals. I don't know if you've seen these. So on the left-hand side of the page, it's got the text of Ephesians um, on each page. And then on the right-hand side of each page, there is just a space for notes. So I'm going through Ephesians verse by verse. So I'll hmm. sit down on one day and I'll read verse one of chapter one and I'll make a few notes on the right hand side as I'm doing that. And really, that's all I'm trying to do today. Just read verse one and suck on that, chew on that, see what I can get out of it. And I'm making some notes as I go. And that that's tremendous. At the same time, I'm listening to the Ephesians in my off moments with that East African voice. So I'm getting it in both. I'm getting a bit of broad sweep and I'm getting it in in-depth detail. Hmm. Um, I think whatever you do, just do one or the other if you want. Just pick one and go for it. Have you ever read it out loud? I was very struck. I remember years ago reading something about Jerome. And so Jerome, Bible translator, great sort of saint of the church. And uh, in the, I'm now going to wish I hadn't gone down the line of trying to give his dates, but in, in the sort of fourth, fifth century, so friend of Augustine. Um, or at least they corresponded a lot between each other. And people would come and they would look at, stand outside Jerome's window, watching him read because he would read in his head, whereas everybody else at that time read out loud. And so it was considered really odd that he was a man who had the ability to read silently in his head. Now, we, of course, take that as the absolute norm. That's how it should be. But of course, if you were reading scripture in the ancient world, particularly when it was being produced, you would have read it out loud if you had the ability to read it, or you would have heard somebody else read it out loud to you. And I have to say that you have to make sure nobody else is in the house. But if you read a chunk, uh, a whole book of the Bible out loud, that has its own impact on you. You're kind of using a different part of your brain to process it. I don't know. But there's something quite powerful in that, reading the thing out loud. We do it a bit in church. Well, I, I have prayer book churches, so, so we use the Psalms and we use it as a congregation. And the, you, saying the Psalms seems to have disappeared after 3,000 years. Finally, the saying of the Psalms seems to have disappeared from, from the worship of God. But that's another hobby horse. But, you know, we don't speak the scriptures out loud too often. But I'm just wondering if you've ever done that. I, in a couple of ways, um, yes. So one, one I, I remember many years ago gathering a group of friends and saying, why don't we spend two or three hours this Sunday afternoon just reading Luke's gospel together. And so we sat around and we'd take a chapter each and read, just read it out loud to each other. And we did mm. that. And it, it took us, I think, three hours to get through the whole of Luke because they're very long chapters. Did um, you do the voices? Well, I think as different people did it different ways. So if someone <laughs> felt happy doing the kind of, uh, you know, the dialogue bits in, in different <laughs> voices, they did that. But, you know, I remember doing that and I remember being very affected when we got to chapter 23 in the crucifixion, mm. more than I'd ever been just reading it to myself because reading it out loud, I was quite choked up actually when we got to the crucifixion because we'd sat there and read the whole story of this wonderful man who'd healed people and fed them and done these miracles and given this teaching that no one had ever given, uh, the most amazing teaching. And then 
they stitch him up and kill him. And I just remember having read that out together as a group, reading mm. it like that out loud. It, the emotional impact was far greater. And since you mentioned the Psalms, I think another way we can read the Bible out loud together is just basically singing Psalms. So I've got several CDs or mm. things on my phone that I listen to in the car, which are just the Psalms. Um, mm. and, and just singing those is terrific. Have you used scripture as well as singing? Yes, very true. I mean, have you used metrical psalms, the psalms sort of set to hymn tunes? Sometimes, yes. Some of mm. those, some of the versions I've got are, are metrical psalms. Jamie Souls does some good um, musical versions of the psalms. Some are metrical and some are more modern right. music. But yeah, I like that. Do you use a lot of that? You're very serious and uh, have a, a serious. Scottish yeah. Presbyterian uh, streak in you. So do you like doing that? Absolutely. I've actually brought in metrical psalms. I'm going to make amuse you, but I've brought in metrical psalm singing to a couple of my churches. So the the hymn that we sing, because we're we're hymn based churches, um, we're not sort of musical based churches here. And the hymn that we sing before the gospel is read um, is always a metrical psalm because there's loads of them in the hymn books. I mean, you'll know the Lord's my shepherd. People will know many of them. And so I've made it the point that we will sing a metrical psalm together as that hymn. And then I read them myself. I've got a copy of the Scottish Psalter, the old 1651. I've also got a copy of uh, what's used in the Free Church of Scotland today, um, which is updated slightly. And and they're just read them as poetry. They're, they're great. I'm, I'm really kind of I'm not a highbrow English literature person I like my poetry to rhyme and the great thing about the metrical psalms is that they rhyme and so I'm quite sort of I I enjoy reading those and sometimes the, the, the phrases do lodge themselves in your head I mean I've always been slightly okay, this is where I'm going to really reveal my kind of uh, Calvinistic fundamentalism I, I get a little bit concerned at times that I'm you know because they are essentially paraphrases because they're made to rhyme. I mean, they're very good as to thinking how much weight do I put on a particular phrase? Because I don't want to sort of accept it as as being the word of God when it's actually the word of God arranged by somebody else, if you see what I mean. I'll give you an example. In, in the late 1600s, um, the General Baptist Association met for an assembly these are Baptists, obviously, and they're Arminian Baptists, boo. And they meet together to discuss a number of things, one of which is hymn singing. And they were debating hymn singing because hymns were starting to become a little bit more popular at this stage, but they were dead set against them. And they were dead set against them because they were the words of human beings. And they knew that what you sing sticks in your head. And the phrase they used, which really stuck stuck in my head, was that they were wary of, here's a phrase, promiscuous singing. In other words, you might sing something you don't believe. So I've always been slightly scarred by this danger of promiscuous singing. So I love the metrical psalms. And I'm, I personally find it, I, my heart was ripped out at a very young age and replaced by a computer. But even I find it quite moving to be in... Um, Free Church of Scotland churches, particularly up in the Highlands, and and hearing the metrical, unaccompanied singing of the Psalms, there's a power to it, and it, it still moves me deeply. So yes, I do, I do write metrical Psalms. Oh, yes. We should I probably th- read something from uh, from Psalm 119. 
Uh, All of it. To, to finish. <laughs> well, maybe not the whole thing. It only take about 15 minutes to read the whole of Psalm 119. Indeed. But there's, there's a really good bit. Um, that... Well, perhaps we'll leave this with you to read to finish with, Lee. Should we do that? Why not? So yeah. I'm going to read Psalm 119 from verse 9 to 16. So not the whole thing, just uh, the second section. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And amen to that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you are able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well. Mm-hmm.